When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lund alongside Al Renato, a.k.a. As New York sports radio fans know him, the great Al from White Plains. And this is New Report, Old Report. Here on Wednesday, May 22nd from 8 to 9 Eastern Time, live on Sports Radio America. If you missed the live show, you can catch the replay all week, also at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or find the show's bonus content under the Bridge Sports Podcast, which you can find by searching for the Bridge Sports Podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts as well as at londonbridge.com if you want to interact with the show you can text in a question comment or complaint to 929-274-3437 or if you're brave enough leave a voicemail with the same and we'll play what you have to say on air again by calling 929-274-3437 this week the warriors cruise to yet another nba finals more drama with the los angeles lakers and brand the broken Check your sources. We're off. Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is that a new report? Or we don't know. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. And if anyone listening is familiar with the show, we wouldn't have it any other way. The NBA playoffs already has one team entering the NBA finals, a battle going on in the Eastern Conference to see who plays said team. Baseball's happening. You're in tune with the hockey playoffs, looking to pucks. see who makes the Stanley Cup. Pucks, pucks, pucks. We got all sorts of things, all sorts of athletic things happening. I guess we could start with the National Basketball Association. On a lighter note, first, we will get a little bit more somber, I think, later in the show. But first, the main thing on everyone's mind is yet another trip to the finals for the Golden State Warriors, handedly beating the Blazers in a sweep. This seems to be par for tradition for Portland, unfortunately for them. Some exciting moments, and then they get swept out of the playoffs. For the past two or three years, that seems to be the trend. Another great performance by Golden State without Kevin Durant. They move on to the finals again, and already the conversations are beginning on where this Warriors team stands in the echelon of great NBA teams. Before diving down that road, though, your thoughts on them really not having too much of trouble, at least on paper with the Blazers, though they did have several comebacks in their victories. On paper, you see a sweep, of course, typical Golden State. Well, Johnny, and hello again, everybody. Uh, our, our many fans of the, uh, the report, I like to shorten it to. Uh, I, of course, being the old version, uh, with young John being the young, the, the new version. But uh, I did not think this would be much of a series, to be honest with you, with or without Kevin Durant. I think that this team has constructed without Kevin Durant. We've seen that they're champions. The real question was, could they go back to being the way they were without Kevin Durant so quickly? And lo and behold, they did. Um, 
Kevin Durant was brilliant in the early portion of the playoffs. They struggled a little bit as a group against the Clippers, who gave them a six-game tussle. Uh, they picked up momentum uh, against Houston, the series that everybody wanted to see, the team that everybody gave them the best chance of knocking off the defending champs. And once Houston could not find a way to get that game in which Durant went down with the calf injury uh, and then literally just fell apart uh, the last two games without him and went down in six, uh, it, it just seemed to me that you were watching the champs build momentum, get a feel for themselves, get their bench more involved, go deeper and deeper uh, with respect to the rotations and see the reemergence of Draymond Green, who has been nothing short of the Draymond Green that we saw in the championship pre-Durant season leading up to his crucial one-game suspension where they blew the 3-1 lead. And many thought it cost him the series and the championship against LeBron and company a couple of years ago. Then came KD. Then came two championships. And as a result of the infusion of KD, obviously, less Draymond Green. And we've really seen kind of an erosion of Draymond Green the last couple of years as his role has lessened and lessened. And he has become uh, a bigger whiner, a bigger complainer. His shooting fell off the face of the earth uh, this past season. No longer a threat from three. And just not as big a contributor in any fashion as he had been before KD. Whether it was on the defensive side, whether it was uh, the point forward role, whether it was moving the ball up and down the court uh, on the break, uh, whether it was knocking down threes as a trailer, uh, whether it was in the offensive glass, just almost like a lost man, like a lost soul on the offensive end of the court. And quick as you can say, no KD, what do we have now? We have the Draymond Green that we came to know. And last night, he even steps up and does the one thing that he hasn't been doing. He knocks down the huge three, which really was the one that kind of sealed their fate. I know they had a chance to tie the game couple chances but that's the one that when he knocked down that three did you really think up four with 40 seconds to go the Golden State was going to lose I know I didn't I didn't think they were going to lose you know at any point in time down the stretch uh, they are now playing at the same kind of level without KD that they did during that fateful 73 win season uh, when they spit the bit and blew the 3-1 lead after Coming back from 3-1 against Oklahoma City, they are now the very similar team to what they were before Kevin Durant. And to me, they have gone from the great team with Kevin Durant back to the nice little team that's playing great. And whatever they have to do in a particular situation is exactly what they're – last night they didn't shoot the ball extraordinarily well. Got down the stretch, they couldn't have shot. And they had, the Splash Brothers had numerous open opportunities to put that game away down the stretch. They couldn't do it. But at the other end, they kept getting stops. 
They got every defensive rebound and their bench players got offensive rebounds that either kept tying the game or putting them in the lead. And they beat a team that is clearly inferior to them. Uh, everybody likes the Blazers and Lillard's a nice story. And he's now known as Dame. All right. He's got his new nickname. We shortened him to Dame now. And his backcourt mate, probably the second best backcourt in the NBA. But that's second best, like Secretariat and who finished second, all right, in the Belmont Stakes. It's not even close. The Splash Brothers are far and away the best backcourt in the NBA. They proved it again in this series. They proved it against Houston. And they swept away the Blazers uh, with a big assist from Draymond Green. And now the question becomes, who's next? Is it going to be the Bucks, who were the best team in the league this year from beginning to end? Or uh, are the Raptors going to make this a series? Uh, you know, as it's a 10-point lead, as we speak, folks, winding down the third quarter uh, in the Northlands uh, of Toronto, just across the border. If the Raptors can get this back to 2-2, who knows? You know, maybe, just maybe, uh, you could have your first NBA championship series taking place across the border. But we shall see. Uh, but I, I just think uh, there was a, a big to-do made out of uh, the champs being on the ropes uh, with this notion that you know Houston can beat them. Houston fought them tooth and nail. Houston's as good as they are. Chris Paul uh, you know, and, and the beard, uh, you know, give them all kinds of problems. You know, I, I just, they're better than Houston. You know, their backcourt is better than Houston's and that's Houston's strength. And the rest of their team is better than Houston's. And that's why they beat Houston. And they're clearly better than Portland. And that's why they swept Portland, whether it was from behind, ahead, in between, at home, on the road, the bottom line is they're the defending champs. You know, you have to win some games, some titles by gutting them out, by coming from behind. You don't win every championship series or every playoff series in four games. You know, whether it was the Lakers, whether it was the Celtics, in their heyday. You came away saying in certain games or in certain series, how'd they do that? How did they win that? How'd they win that game? How'd they win that series? We had them on the ropes. We were the the better team lost. No. The better team wins. And they're the better team. So once again, they are where they are, which is their fifth straight final. And soon to be mentioned if they win another championship uh, on a short list of certainly one of the greatest runs of all time. And if you going to look at it from an objective standpoint in terms of where the game is now you have to look at them if they win four championships in five years with five consecutive trips to the finals as one of the greatest achieving teams of all time they'll certainly be in that discussion to say the least and i think what we've seen to this point in the western conference is that the teams that you mentioned are frauds Still, they've been frauds on this Warriors run, and I don't know why 
the populace thought that this year would be different and there was adamant discussion that this was the Rockets' year and this would be... We saw those teams were who they thought they were against the Warriors and making lightweight of the Blazers when all was said and done, even though it wasn't lightweight at the halftimes of those games. 17-point lead, 18-point lead, 17-point lead respectively in the final three games by Portland, and they blow all three. And there were times in the games where they headed into halftime with a 15-point lead, and you thought, well, Golden State will be fine in the second half, and it happened every time. The bench has been well above average from what people thought it would be for Golden State. They've slowly been developing these guys almost behind the scenes for the past couple years. Now when they had the call and needed to play well, they've just been great in their roles, helping success of the big three for Golden State. Steph Curry playing out of his mind when he needed to. Vintage Steph Curry, 35 a night. Klay Thompson coming up big, and you mentioned Draymond Green the sometimes triple-double machine. Whenever that happens, they don't lose. It was just the Golden State team that we've grown accustomed to seeing, but without Kevin Durant. And I think, at least for me, when the talk of this team and the dynasty and the run and how successful they've been, part of me seeing what they're able to do still without Kevin Durant makes me wish in a way that him coming over didn't happen. Let's remember, it's just a snapshot. This was the team that lost to LeBron. It's the team that was down 3-1 to OKC off the big regular season, going for the repeat. And then when Draymond gets suspended, maybe because he did get suspended, regardless, he did get suspended, blows the 3-1 lead to LeBron. Blows the 3-1 lead to LeBron blows the 3-1 lead to LeBron and Kyrie and then comes KD and they haven't lost since so I, I think it's a bit of an overreach to sit here and think that okay just because now they're, they're playing terrific and they've beaten Houston a couple games and the Blazers that this would have been the case had KD never come. We have no way of knowing. We don't know who would have added, who would have been added to other teams in the West. We don't know where LeBron would have gone. Who knows what happened? Who knows what the scenario would have been with LeBron if KD never came? Who knows where KD would have gone if he didn't come to Golden State? So, and, and he now holds the fate of the competitive balance of the NBA in his hands. Because what he does in this offseason will basically reshape the face competitively of the NBA. If he stays, which almost everyone thinks will not happen, I think I'm the only one who thinks he's going to stay. But then I thought LeBron was going to stay in Cleveland. He went to the Lakers. If he stays, status quo. But if he leaves, no matter where he goes, the power base is altered. Whether it's a hot competitor for Golden State in the West, or whether it's a new, you know, 
a new power broker in the East, i.e. the Knicks, uh, if they add him and as rumored, uh, you know, Kyrie But needless to say, if he goes to the Knicks, certainly a, a, a different franchise, no doubt about it, because he is, in my mind, right now, he's the best player in the world. Uh, and there's no disrespect to LeBron James. There's no disrespect to uh, Giannis. And there's no disrespect to uh, Kawhi Leonard, who's just playing fabulous basketball uh, throughout the postseason, including tonight for the Raptors. And everybody's calling the second best player in the world. You know, it changes every night as to who the, the best and the second best, the third best, whatever the case may be. But the point is, what KD does reshapes the balance of the NBA. And it's going to be fascinating to see what he does because, you know, the talk is out there. Uh, you know, if they win without him, what does it mean for him? What does it mean to him? What does it mean to the franchise? Look, they won without him before. And if they win without him, that means they won without him again. He is a luxury. Absolutely. He's the best player on the planet. And he is the greatest life preserver, you know, in recent NBA memory because he is the guy who went to a team that already was a championship caliber team and won a championship had just blown a 3-1 lead. They went to him to get them back over the top and he is the great luxury. If things aren't working, just throw the ball to KD. If we're struggling, the Splash Brothers can't find it tonight, uh, just, just throw it down to KD because he can score in more variations, more ways than anybody else in the sport. He can score in every conceivable fashion. He can score going to the basket. He can score pulling up and shooting over anybody. He can score from three. He can post up. He can do anything and everything, and he can do it in dominant fashion as well as from the free throw line. Nobody else can score in every aspect of the game with the ease, the expertise, the excellence of Kevin Durant. So whenever your half-court offense is bogged down, whenever you can't get a bucket, whenever you can't find a way to score, you throw the ball to a six-foot, ten to seven-foot tall guy, depending on what measuring stick you're using, and you let him go. And it's always there. It's always there for you. Well, now it's not. So now they're back to the way we were before they moved up to not you know, the nicest car in the neighborhood, but the nicest car in the world. I think what's also interesting for this latest Warriors victory, no pun intended, double meaning there, everyone commented on the only way to beat Golden State, unfortunately for them, will be if there's an injury or injuries to their main player or players. Well, Kevin Durant goes down, DeMarcus Cousins was already down, it was back to the original Warriors big three, and that didn't make a difference. They were fine. <laughs> so, oh, and, and don't forget Iggy didn't play last night. And Iggy was out too. So who now? Do we just start taking players out one by one, maybe one a quarter to see what's going to be the demise of the Warriors? Can we spin a wheel and decide as a fan base who we take out of the game and how for how long so we can see if that will be their success? It's just been phenomenal to watch. Well, let me ask you this question because you're, you're a young guy, you're a smart guy, you're a sharp guy. Did you ever, and I don't mean this to be disrespectful to the player, did you, and I, it'll be a leading question, 
<laughs> Did you think for a second that they would miss a beat with the loss of Cousins? Oh, no. I think he's been, he's been the odd man out of the group. Like when you watch a movie and there's a group of four in the friendship and somebody moves from another town and they try to bring him or her in, but it just doesn't feel as strong. That's been the DeMarcus Cousins relationship. It still seems very odd that he's with them and he's part of the team. It, it didn't really fit as far as he being one of us, and that's because we didn't get to the point of him being there long enough to where it worked. He unfortunately got hurt at the wrong time. But losing him, you, you almost forget that he's still on the team, unfortunately for him. I, I had said before the post before he got hurt, I had said to whoever would listen that I thought Steve Kerr's biggest chore, if you want to call it a chore, and really the, the wrong term, but his most, his, his most difficult task, Andrew's task, would be to manage the minutes of Boogie Cousins in terms of how he would fit into this team in the postseason. And lo and behold, it never came to me. He never had to worry about it. You know, he, he, he worked at it in the regular season. Um, and once again, just like last year in the postseason when he went down, uh, not a factor. And uh, then talk of him potentially coming back. He's not coming back in, in the regular season. No shot. And it really is an afterthought. Um, you don't even think of him and say, oh, well, how, they're doing this without Cousins. Uh, it, 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 you almost lose the point of view. It would be a greater accomplishment if they did it with Cousins. Because at times there are knocks on you know, his ability to play within the framework of a winning team. Uh, because of the way he plays, you know, can a team be successful where he's only going to be on the court in a limited offensive role and have minimal touches? Uh, can he still be an effective player or is he almost like a horse out of water in that scenario where, you know, he's really, I don't want to say being wasted, but can his great skills be adapted to a role where he's having minimal impact? And it's really become, you know, uh, a non, non-issue because of his injury. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. And now, based on what we've seen from the bench, from the rotations, the success that the role players have had, I don't know what they do next if DeMarcus Cousins even says he's ready come the finals. Now, we have more than a week for him to get ready, so maybe that would help getting him back into the fold, but they might not really give him the keys, if you will, and just bring him back on a limited basis. I I agree 100%. I I think, first of all, it depends on who they're playing because you know that it is such a matchup-oriented game. Um, but I, I think if he is good enough to go, and they'll know that from practice, um, he'll, he'll get minimal minutes. He'll get minutes where they're putting him out there and on training wheels and see if there's a scenario where they can afford to take the training wheels off because, you know, he'll be a luxury, but because of his physical situation and, his lack of uh, playing time in terms of rust and being in physical condition, 
will he be more of a detriment than a benefit when he's out there playing for a championship? Because you, know, you can't afford when you're playing for a championship to take literally uh, risks that are not warranted. And you don't want to put a guy out there if he's potentially going to be a detriment because of the really the, the I don't know. You know, it, it's truly a risk based upon lack of knowledge. You, know, you put Looney out there, you know what Looney's done. You know he's not a starting player. You know he's a backup player. You put McKinney out there. You put Drevko out there. You put Cook out there. You know you're taking a risk, but it's a risk based on what you see, what you know. Well, right now, Boogie Cousins is more unknown than ever. Because he came back healthy, you saw him for a glimpse, then he went down again. And now when he comes back, he's going to be coming back with no recuperative time in terms of any time to go out there and get his feet wet. He's coming back to play for a championship if he plays. No postseason, no, no regular season games where we're the two seed and we can throw him out there and get his feet, get feet wet and see how much pressure he could put on, how he can get up and down the court, how he can defend against the pick and roll, uh, you know, how he's going to help us on the double teams, uh, etc. Now it's you're out there in the fire. And I can't afford to have you let me get burned. So I, I think his role will, if, if he is available, which I doubt, I think his role will be a limited one. And Steve Kerr will keep him in the shallow end until he is in a position to be able to trust him to go into the deep end. And that, in my mind, probably won't even come. The real story in the NBA, unfortunately for us as Lakers fans, blew up on Monday in Los Angeles. Again, again, again. Again. The Lakers have been eliminated from postseason contention now for more than a month. And yet one of the biggest stories in the league on Monday was the Los Angeles Lakers because one magic Johnson hall of famer, former star supposed ambassador for the Los Angeles Lakers went on first take with Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman to air his grievances Leave off Max Kellerman because it's really his nose night. True. I mean, he went on there to be with Stephen A, to be honest. On the same day... I mean, I wish wish he wasn't there, but unfortunately he is there. Right. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. That's okay. On the same day that the new head coach, Frank Vogel, was to be announced to have a nice smiley press conference, talk about the future, look lovingly at Rob Palenka, who hired him, say all the right things, talk about what's going to happen next. Instead, it was sabotaged by some of the comments made by Magic Johnson on first take. An incredible television moment for starters. Incredible that they got the interview when they did. Incredible for Magic for clearly knowing what he was doing, the timing of it, what he would say, how the reaction would be. I don't know why the Lakers didn't offer him millions upon millions of dollars to not do the interview, but alas, seemingly they don't really know what's going on with Magic, we, we found out. Some of the comments included 
how much of a backstabber Rob Palenka was, how he wanted to take his job, what the last straw was, wanting to fire Luke Walton but being told he couldn't, still being a sister to Jeannie Buss. <laughs> it was just one answer brother. after another, just brother. painting brother. the pit. Yes, the brother painting the picture of chaos that's been the main story for this team thoughts I could start there with you thoughts the problem as many see it to be is that if magic or the conflict the dichotomy is that magic Johnson is so much uh, a Laker for life, so strongly behind and in support of and always will be acting in the best interest of the Lakers. How can he set them aflame with free agency coming and it being such an important offseason for the Lakers in terms of who can they bring in to be the number 1A or the number 2 to help LeBron and the young players get back to the postseason and start building towards a championship and greatness again with a franchise of record in the National Basketball Association. How can you love this team so much and do an interview in which you make the organization look like it is in such disarray that no one in their wildest dreams would go there? That is really the inner conflict of Magic Johnson. Because I am outside looking in, lifelong Laker fan, of course Magic fan, and, and for those who say well, the Lakers made Magic Johnson, let's take a step back and give you kids out there a little bit of a history lesson. The Minneapolis Lakers were a great franchise with multiple championships when they moved to Los Angeles. However, in all the years they were in Los Angeles, from the late 50s to 1979, the Los Angeles Lakers won one championship. One. That was the all-time great 1972 team with Jerry West and Will Chamberlain, uh, the beginning of the season with Elgin Baylor, then retired, replaced by Jim McMillan from Columbia, Happy Harrison, and, of course, the great Gail Goodrich that won 33 games in a row. That's right. For those of you who don't even couldn't even fathom such a thing, 33 games in a row, a record that will never be broken in any major professional sport. Not ties, 33 outright wins in a row during a season. 69-13, and 13, beat the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks with a young Ruel Cinder, and then beat the New York Knicks in the final. In my mind, still the greatest Laker team of all time and still the greatest single season team in the history of the sport. One championship until Magic Johnson came aboard in 1980. And then they won five. Nine finals appearance, appearances in 12 years, eight and 10 years, five championships um, with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And with James Worthy and with Norm Nixon. But Magic Johnson at the center of all of them. So the Los Angeles Lakers gave Magic Johnson the opportunity to be great by drafting him number one and 
keeping in Los Angeles. But the Los Angeles Lakers won championships greatly because of Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson made the Los Angeles Lakers showtime. He and he alone was showtime. He created showtime. Through all the players with him during that run, he is the one who started showtime. There would be no Pat Riley if it wasn't for Magic Johnson. Plain and simple. So he helped make the Lake Show. He helped make them the franchise of record. So now the question is, why would he blow it up? And I don't understand why he would blow it up. And I don't think he was trying to blow it up. I just think it was Magic Johnson on his podium, finally telling what everybody wanted to know. What happened? Now, Stephen A. Smith, who's a Magic Johnson guy, make no mistake, has said this interview was booked well before the Lakers had even interviewed Frank Bowler for the head coaching job, let alone hired him and set up a press conference, which turned out to be the same day, to introduce him. Do we believe that? Why would he lie? And if so, I'm sure in this day and age, when we can discover everything, why wouldn't we be able to discover that Stephen A. Smith was lying? And that, in fact, this interview was set up after the Laker press conference or with knowledge of when the Laker press conference was going to take place. So Stephen A. Smith's a pretty smart guy, even though I disagree with some of the things he says or the way he says them. But I would be shocked if he would put himself in such a position to have his credibility totally ripped away by lying about when this interview was set up. And then you have Magic Johnson simply telling us, in his words, what happened. How he took the job, what he explained to Jeannie Bush was going to be his approach, his approach to the job, his relationship with Rob Polinka, his problems with Rob Polinka, and only Rob Polinka. And then along the way, the problems of the Laker, for lack of a term, better term, hierarchy, if there was one, not really being that, and not giving him the power as president of basketball operations to make the decisions that he felt it was in his realm to make. If I were him in that scenario, I would have resigned as well. I would have done it differently. The biggest problems I have had with Magic Johnson from the time he took the job to the time he resigned from the job are twofold. In his capacity, one problem, the Zubak trade. That's pretty much it. Everything else he did, I was pretty much all on board with. And two, the way he resigned. You go to Jeannie Bus and you tell her, Jeannie, I love you like a sister. We had a discussion about the parameters in which I was going to take and hold this job. You knew I wasn't going to be here 24 7. I told you I was taking because I love you and I love the Lakers and I want to oversee the rebuilding job, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I also was going to have certain powers. It's obvious now that I don't have those powers. I don't like the way things are being run in terms of some conflicts in the front office. 
and more importantly, my inability to make the decisions I feel it's necessary for me to make as president of basketball operations. So I'm going to step down. And that's how you do it. That's how I would have done it. That's the way he should have done it. And none of this would have ever happened in terms of the disconnect between he and Jeannie and the franchise and obviously, uh, you know, the chosen one, LeBron James. Instead, we've got a total and complete state of confusion in terms of who, what, where, and how many are in charge of the Los Angeles Lakers with the biggest offseason in terms of free agency, maybe in NBA history, with the exception of anyone with LeBron. <laughs> a pass. It was jaw-dropping. If you're a Lakers fan, it was jaw-dropping if you're just a fan of the NBA. And for one, we talk about this all the time when we hear people do interviews with the media and they give the same cherry-picked answers and coaches speak. Sometimes we love honesty and oh, <laughs> there's no question that we got it from Magic. Magic doesn't play a character. He doesn't go by the book. He's Magic through and through, no matter what's happening. And he was exactly that on Monday. And he is brilliantly brilliantly able to maneuver his way around the room. Yeah. And he so maneuvered his way around that interview. Every question, he gave a thoughtful answer and an answer that was not a knee-jerk reaction. And the, the one that killed me was the, the backstabbing. Are you referring, are you referring to Rob? Only Rob? Yeah, only Rob. Only Rob. He's the only one I had a problem with. And then he says, you know, uh, I heard things from people, said you got to watch them, but, you know, I'm willing to give him a chance. Nope. Then I find out he wants my job, but that's okay. Because when I took the job, I, that's when it's, when you, when it sounds, you sound like you're in trouble now, okay, that you're be, giving an answer that, that's in conflict to what you said earlier, but then, Boom. Before you could even say, oh, no, he, now he's backtracking. Then he says, but that's okay. Because I expected that. And I told you, I'm, groom, I'm only going to be here a couple of years. I'm grooming you for the job. I'm leaving in three years. It's fine. I'm, you know, you, you, you're going to take my job. That's okay. I'm preparing you to take it. So then you can be offended when you're doing that to somebody and you think they're stabbing you in the back. If I'm going to tell you, Big John, uh, you know, you're going to be my successor. You're going to be my wing. I'm going to take you under my wing, all right, and we're going to build this together. Right? And a couple of years from now, I'm going to be gone. And I'm guaranteeing I'm going to be gone. You think I'm going to do this forever? I'm an old man. I want to take my life to the movies. I got other businesses. I got a tweet. I love the Lakers, but I'm here to help you rebuild them. And once I get them back in the right direction, I'm back in the front row next to Jeannie and doing my other jobs and you're doing all the work nonstop. And then if that guy's going to backstab, if you're going to backstab me, then, then I got a problem. 
Jeannie, and that is what he laid out for us. Jeannie, like his sister, of course, who reported to Ramona Shelburne that she knew none of what Magic said on Monday. She asked him repeatedly how he felt, what went wrong, what they could have done, and he gave the, eh, everything's fine. And she had to watch that on Monday unfold, not knowing any of what he was going to say. It is a, a shattering feeling. If you're one of the seemingly dozen people that has a hand in the Lakers organization and management. And we've and talked on the, the biggest, show. And that is the biggest problem exactly. with all of this. Jeannie Buss needs to close ranks. And I don't mean family members only. She needs to close ranks with business people only, with experts only with real basketball operations, talent, knowledgeable, basketball, knowledgeable, business savvy people. She needs to close ranks with herself as owner, a top-notch head of basketball operations. And look, if Rob Polink is the top-notch general manager, so be it. If it's Rob Polink, so be it. I don't know that it isn't. Because the thing that is so, again, conflicting about this is I, as a Laker fan, overall liked what Magic Johnson and Rob Polenka accomplished together. Because let's remember what they did, right? They have Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and Kyle Kuzma as building blocks. Now, the three players who have become one clear Hall of Famer, two more potential Hall of Famers that are the centerpieces of this dynasty that the Warriors have put together, came out of college, and none of the three of them came out as draft picks as highly touted as either Lonzo Ball or Brandon Ingram. You could argue that the first two were clearly more touted than Kyle Kuzma, But only because he played for Michigan State did we know more about Green than we did Kuzma, who was at Washington, or was at Utah. And he was a second-round draft. So now the Lakers, like Golden State, are looking to build through the draft. Just They they had players that they drafted. They were higher draft picks. They were higher, so to speak, in the pecking order. They were more visible draft picks than the ones the Warriors took, with the possible exception of Steph, because... You know, he took his school on that big-time run to the Elite Eight. But the point is, the Lakers were building the same way. And I liked the way they were building. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. I truly believe Magic Johnson loves the Los Angeles Lakers. Agreed. But from an outsider looking in, thinking about how much he had to have been wronged behind closed doors or how personally he feels to have been wronged behind closed doors to go out on Monday and make the comments that he made Knowing what he was doing, he's not that dense. He's 
knows the cards that he's putting on the table. I find it difficult to think that players would want to join up with the remaining group supposedly running the Lakers because those that were called out by Magic are still with the team. And that's who you would be joining. And and, and that's why Jeannie Buss must do what we talked about before. And she won't. But that's why Jeannie Buss needs to clean up the scenario and bring in the proper people. But that's not going to happen. We know that's not going to happen. They're going to proceed with this group uh, of contributors. Uh, The Bus Brothers, uh, where Tim Harris came from out of sales, I have no idea. You know, he's telling Magic he can't fire the coach. Uh, Obviously, the Rambuses, who are are playing way too large a role in this. Uh, and, and, And as a result, the question now, I should say not the question, the real onus to me falls in one place. Can LeBron James, who has now become, not in my mind, to me anyway, but I'm sure to others, almost a sympathetic figure. Can LeBron James suddenly be the Lakers savior in the eyes of Laker fans. Laker fans, true Laker fans, longtime Laker fans, who didn't want him, who always will have him, you know, not a true Laker, who will never put him on the level of Kobe as a Laker or any of the other great Lakers. But now, with everything that's transpired, including the mass confusion in the front office and with ownership and with what's happened with Magic, can LeBron James be the guiding light to bring in free agents to play with him and bring the youngsters along to bring the Lakers back to, if not greatness, to at least competitiveness, where they're in the playoffs and a team that is a threat to win a series and continuing to build? Can he be the guy? Can he be the the guy that nobody wants to play with, supposed to? Now, can he go out and recruit? Magic's not there. Can he do it? Does he have enough power, enough attraction, he and Clutch Sports, to bring a big-time free agent to play in L.A. despite what's just transpired? I think that hits the nail completely on the head. From LeBron as the hero early on in his career, to the villain with the Heat, to the villain with the Cavs, to then the hero beating the Warriors, back to the villain in Los Angeles. Now he can make the storyline F them, man. Forget about the management. Forget about the owners. Let's win in spite of that. Come with me. I'll take control. I'll and be the fall guy, and you we'll do it. it together in spite I of what's will, going on behind the, the doors. I will take control. Everybody has said I'm the player, I'm the coach, I'm de facto general manager. Well, now I've got to be that by default. So come follow me. Laker Nation, I will lead you. Come follow me. Has he still got it? 
Can he, can he do that? Does he have the ability? Does he have the sweat? Does he have the desire? Because it is a now for him, it's a, it's it's literally he's on a gravy train now because all the pressure has been taken off him, off the court. All the constant notions and the accusations and allegations. Well, this is a, this is a LeBron. This is LeBron's doing. LeBron's behind this. Clutch Sports has got their hands in it. For me, this is this is Clutch Sports. This is all LeBron. This is this what happened when you bring in LeBron. This has nothing to do with LeBron. This has to do with Jeannie Buss, the Buss brothers, Rob Palenka, Harris, the Rambuses, and the inability, the refusal to understand that it can no longer be a family business if it's big business. You can have family members involved, but you must bring in people who are totally and completely objective, who will analyze and assess the situation and make cold, unemotional decisions in terms of what's in the best interest of the franchise. And they do not have the ability to do that right now because of the way they're structured. Can LeBron James do that right now? Because LeBron James is a cold-hearted dude. LeBron James has no loyalty. He's shown that. LeBron James will do whatever is best for LeBron James here and now. So what's best for LeBron James is to go out there and get him and the Lakers a big-time free agent that's going to mesh with him on the court and these young players and bring them back to prominence. Let's see if he can do it. And he is maybe the best calculated player to ever play in the NBA on and off the court. He knows what he's saying. He knows what he's doing in games, outside of games, in the locker room, and to the press. He has the ability to write this narrative, pitting the Lakers fans and some of the league against the management and the owners and the dozen or so people coming to and fro, the ghost of Phil Jackson, the ghost of a Kobe's Achilles tendon, everybody that's touched this league, Jerry West, everyone. He can write this narrative now where he can come out of it as holding the sword up, being the hero, winning in spite of what's going on. And I, I think that's the way he can go about it. Take the keys, fight for the kingdom, go against well wishes, do everything yourself. And we've talked about that enough on this show. How is the best way to handle LeBron James? Give him full autonomy, let him do his thing, or try to control what his actions are. And it might be time for him to say, you don't even get to pick that. I'm going my own way. Frank Vogel, come with me. Jason Kidd, you can come too. <laughs> Frank Vogel, been playing against you. It's good to be playing with you. Let's go get it done. It's going to be, it's going to be a, a incredibly interesting offseason. And it... I, you touched on your ma- what magic about loving. Le- I, I agree hundred percent. I think Magic Johnson truly loves the Lakers. Will always love the Lakers. I think Magic Johnson was faced with the following choice: it's me or them. Right. And he ch- and he chose me. Right. I mean, this would have been something if we had heard four or five years down the road in a tell-all piece from Dave McMiniman or Ramona Shelburne. Right. 
this is what actually happened. This is what all the answers are that you guys are seeking. Oh, no. <laughs> the paint wasn't even dry when they redid the Staples Center. He came out guns a-blazing, as he does, and we learned all of it. Now we'll see what they do in response to it. You want to add any additional thoughts to the Game of Thrones series finale, or are you good? I would have had to have watched it. <laughs> well, some would argue after Sunday night, you're better off not having watched it, Al. That's the type of show it ended up becoming. I'm sorry to hear that because I know that so much of America was enthralled with every moment of it. I was not one that was that way. I'm a billions guy, uh, you know, which I believe is on opposite. Uh, so my Sunday nights, other than doing this show uh, and obviously watching whatever important sporting event or sporting events are on in terms of my non-sporting watching is always uh you know the billions hour sunday night at nine and they even took the hour off they did not air a new show because they did not want to go mano a mano with the final uh chapter of game of thrones so there was no new billions episode they put their uh, regular episode off for a week because they didn't want to face up against the almighty game of thrones which obviously you know what what do more people watch game of thrones or play Fortnite? what do you think Wow. Look at you huh? on the new report of the listenership. Who says I'm just the old guy? <laughs> I would say it's Fortnite, and it's also interesting to look at how many people viewed the series finale Sunday for HBO compared to how many people view important NFL games. I'll let you guess as to who wins that battle. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Folks, for John Tiny Lund, I am Al from White Plains. The real version is Al Renato. Enjoy your week. We'll talk to you soon, everybody. We'll be back next Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.